0: Hello everyone and welcome to Long Story Short, a podcast where we review two-sided topics on the minds of college students and condense them into informative, civil, 30 minutes or less in order to create wider campus discussions. Our Stories presents Long Story Short. Next episode, Dungeons and Dragons, a popular role-playing game created in 1974 has gone through several different editions and has amassed a massive following as of late. However, the game, like anything else, has had its controversies as it's grown. Today we will explore some of these. Stuart Wells is a third-year computer science student at the U. He's always been involved in geek culture, and his earliest memories are of sitting on his dad's lap playing Quake and Doom. He's a big gamer and enjoys Magic Gathering, D&D, Warhammer 40k, and all kinds of video games. So today we're talking about D&D and its rise in popularity in the yeah. last few years. But we want to talk about um, the satanic panic from, from the early 90s. So I was wondering if you have any context information about that.
1: Yeah, I actually really like this topic because um, it applies it applied to Magic the Gathering as well. And it's just part of like geek culture that I, I think is fascinating. Um, so My dad grew up playing D&D in the 80s. And my first time playing DD was first edition with him, the like old starting box set. So uh, I love this topic.
0: Yeah, so we just want to jump right into uh, any information you know, how it started, where it came from, and why it's pre- specifically targeting towards uh, geek culture.
1: Yeah, so I think it's something that happens in culture a lot, where something people don't know enough about, and they don't understand, they just slap labels on it, right? And it happens all over, not just with geek culture, but this this particular instance was with geek culture. And um, I did a little bit of looking into it, and you can kind of narrow it down to one instance of a kid going missing. Do you guys know about James Engelbert? No. So he's this kid who was um, 15 and a prodigy. A pro, Prodigy? Is that how you say prodigy? it? Prodigy? Prodigy, yep. That's a hard word. I always say it wrong. Um, he was in college at fifteen and went missing. The detective that they hired to look for him kind of offhandedly remarked that he he went into his dorm room, you know, looked around for clues, maybe tr- like find a letter or whatever. But he offhandedly remarked that he'd seen d and d in his room. That might be tied into his disappearance, and that kind of like lit the fire for the satanic panic I it see. Just kind of went from there.
0: Do you think it is still affecting how people perceive d d nowadays?
1: Yeah, I do. I think it's a lot less because people understand it more. But growing up, I did have a friend who was pretty Christian. I don't rem- know what dom- denomination, but I'm like, a member of the Church of Latter-day Saints. Mm-hmm. So being a geek's a little different there. But I remember I had this friend who couldn't play Yu-Gi-Oh! Because that was the hot thing when I was growing up. And it just struck me as odd, and I was like, "Why?" And he's like, "Well, my mom thinks it's, you know, hard, the the devil's something doing something with it." And I was like, "That's the weirdest thing." Like, yeah,
0: something similar kind of happened to me. I grew up in a very Catholic household. I couldn't watch Pokemon because I don't remember they said that if you played the Pokemon theme song backwards, it said "I love Satan" or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I was allowed to watch Yu Gi Oh, which I think is kind of interesting because that yeah, was totally. more about demons and the what is it the. Void, or what do they call it? The, the Shadow, Shadow realm. realm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of interesting. Yeah, how that's, things that's get targeted. Little,
1: well, I wasn't allowed to watch Spongebob for about like a week. <laughs> and then my mom was like, oh, no, it's it's fine. Like, you can watch it. Kind of pivoting topics, but still staying with d What is your opinion
0: on the controversies around the racial stereotyping in DD, with some races being inherently evil and others having bonus stats for the specific races? And how do you think that interacts with the dominant community
1: of DD players? the game has to change as it becomes more mainstream. It just has to. When I first, like, it's just kind of how all, the game's always been and I didn't really think much about it. Like, it it lets you build, uh, the DM build a living, believable world and I think the cultures in the game are, if you can build a believable culture, you can build a believable world. It, it, and The DM, you know, they can cheat, they can do whatever they want but it kind of sets up a thought process or like gets the ball rolling with that. And I, so I think that that's why it's important. And I don't think it's mandatory. Like you don't have to have tieflings be evil. Right. But I mean, to have a good story, you have to have evil people. So it just kind of like shunts the DM in the right direction. I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's bad unless t- people take it a little too seriously. Cause it's a game, right? Like,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so I think if I'm understanding what you're saying, it's that, D&D and the creators of the game don't inherently have any sort of racial bias, and it's not inherent to the game. But if people take it to that degree, they can because they are creating their own world with these characters and races.
1: Yeah, and I mean, they might have had racial bias, but when it comes down to it, it's it's the DM's choice. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about this game is because it brings people together and... If you're a group of friends who's been a group of friends before and you come together to play D&D, your DM's probably going to share some of your same opinions and values, and it creates a safe spot where you can share those. He's really in charge of what happens. Kind of talking about the community bringing people together, there's been a little bit
0: of backlash towards uh, Tasha's call gen of everything yep. and the rules changes around that. Do you think it's because of the options to allow race and rules to be enforced that the backlash has been
1: there? No, I don't think so because that was kind of already how it was, and the DM had a choice to, you know, use the current rule set or not. And this just kind of adds an extra rule set. From what I'm understanding with our conversation is that
0: a lot of these changes and choices made with D&D is really just in the DM's hands, and mm-hmm. it's more of a reflection of the person that the DM is and what they believe in, their values, more than any sort of policy or agenda that the game itself might have.
1: Well, I mean, I think that it was put in for to break up the um, racial stereotypes that people might think that the game had. But um, so it, it was put in for a purpose um, and it was put in to t- try and like um, the game's becoming more popular. Things have to change, uh, especially with the, how the world's going and it, it's trying to be more inclusive. And so I think it needed to change. But um, again, they did put the rule out as an optional rule. So it does come down to how you want to play the game. Yeah, awesome. So I
0: think that might be the end of our time. Do you have any closing thoughts? Anybody you'd like to shout out? Anything
1: you want to plug? Um, no, uh, not off the top of my head. Um, I'm actually starting d and D podcast soon. Don't know what the name of it's going to be. So uh, we have like three episodes recorded, but I
0: haven't pushed published anything. So yeah, once you get yeah. that, we can definitely advertise you here on our own podcast. Sweet. Create a little podcast network. Yeah,
1: man. Yeah. What
0: about you? Got anything you want to plug? anything i want to plug um well i think right now it is what well, i guess we shouldn't say but it's the 26th of february uh ukraine just got invaded a couple of days ago there's a lot of amazing um nonprofit charities that could really use monetary funds we're across we're on the other side of the world so it's not like we can really do very active things to help but you know anything that you're able to chip in is a lot of help so if we can we should try to put something in the bio for this, uh, for this episode. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Stuart. Thank you yeah. for your time. Appreciate it.
2: Hey, long story short listeners. We're looking for people to fill positions this next semester. If you're interested in being a writer, podcast panelist, or interviewer for our team, please apply on the U student media website. We'll link it to our show notes.
0: Ravjad Bhatia is a junior who's working on getting an information assistance major with a minor in documentary film. He uses he, him, his pronouns, and also use student media on the Geekwave platform. You can find him on my Instagram at bigprops, at B-I-G-P-R-U-B-S. How are you doing today? Good, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to talk D&D with you.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Thank uh, you for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, So just jumping into it. Do, What do you know about the satanic panic in regards to D&D?
3: Yeah, so, you know, I did a little bit of research on this beforehand, um, but I knew a little bit about it before. You know, it was like the satanic panic going on in the 80s and, you know, early 90s, kind of criminalizing D&D to be like this satanic cult and like a following to kind of bring young kids into the satanic, you know, rituals and all that stuff. Um, But it branched more, you know, to like rock and, and other stuff as well. But D&D kind of took a big hit on it for sure.
0: Why do you think D&D and rock and roll were targeted?
3: You know, I think um, it's because of, well, rock and roll, you know, in the early 80s, they really dove into that kind of satanic, you know, um, praise uh, just to kind of, you know, market themselves a little bit better. Um, and that really took off. You can see that in, you know, anything from mainstream like Motley Crue, oh, Motley Crue, So you know, even like lower key kind of uh, artists back in the day, but D and D I think it was criminalized because um, you know it had like ghouls and goblins and you know and like elves and just like these mythical creatures that were used as you know kind of races um, in D and D. But you know a lot of these like even genial, I don't know, evangelical, evangelical. Thank you. A lot of these you know high-platform people, um, they kind of took it as like, oh, this is going to corrupt your kids and, like, it's going to take them to the devil and, like, you know, use that as fuel to kind of, you know, boost their ratings in their TV platforms. Um, and that really spread nationwide because of it.
0: Do you think the satanic panic is one still happening now and to affecting how people perceive DD?
3: You know, I think if it is, it's super low-key. Um, I tried to find something kind of recent about it and there just wasn't much, you know. I have seen, you know, the Satanic panic in other forms, like monster energy was targeted not too long ago. Um, but D and D, I think they've kind of died off on it, and they kind of gave it the space that it needs to be, you know, a fun little platform for people to get together, have fun, and just kind of you know play the game. What is your opinion on
0: the controversies around the racial stereotyping in D and D? in regards to some races being inherently evil and others having bonus stats with their specific race, how do you think that affects the community of D&D?
3: You know, I think it kind of depends on the people, right? Um, because when you're talking, I'd, most people that I've played D&D with personally and the people that I've talked to that play D&D, they are usually very accepting people. Um, and they treat, you know, the races in D&D as kind of different characters, right? Different characters, and no matter what you you, you do, when any you know TV show, uh, game, anything you really look at, everybody's going to have different stats and everybody's going to have these different attributes, right? Um, and it's just, it's part of the plot, right? Um, some people are evil. Some people are villains in whatever you look at, TV, movie, video games, whatever. And I think that kind of stands still Um, and like portrays itself in D&D as well. I don't think, um, I haven't haven't personally met anybody who's been like, oh, you know, D&D, yeah, these guys are bad, these guys are good, so I'm going to put that into my real life and kind of criminalize people of different races than I. I haven't met that personally, but, Mm. you know, is it out there? Maybe, Mm. but I personally have only received like, welcoming people when it comes to D&D. So I don't see much of a relation between, you know, the race differentiation within D&D and outside of it.
0: Okay. So if you're around people that were more um, accepting of these racial differential ideas in the community, then it could be a problem. But in your experiences, anybody that you've interacted with in the D&D community has been very open and accepting?
3: Yeah, I think so, you know, especially just I grew up as a nerd. Mm -hmm. So, you know, uh, we as nerds, you play D&D. It's just kind of like a thing. At one point, everybody does. And, you know, when you're when you're kind of pushed down in society, especially early in the days when, you know, nerd culture wasn't as big and it was kind of frowned upon, Um, you know, back in middle school, I used to get bullied for playing D&D and watching anime and all that stuff. But now it's become Mainstream, you know, and I think that kind of helped to form that that bond between other nerds right to where it's like Oh, you know, they're the same as I am There's no reason for me to kind of hate on this person because they're getting the same treatment as I am Okay um, Kind
0: of getting into the thick of it. Why do you think there is a backlash for Tasha's Cauldron of Everything? Um, having rule race rules changed?
3: Ooh, You know what so I looked at Tasha's Cauldron of Everything I personally haven't played it, okay. Um, but I did read the rules and I did, you know, watch a couple of videos. Um, I think the backlash is there because kind of how I was saying earlier, it's like the characters, right? Um, and certain characters have certain traits, but uh, yeah, it's just uh, now you can kind of have certain people and give them the traits that wouldn't, they, they normally wouldn't have, right? And so, you know, in a way that it's, it's good because you can really customize your character to really fit you know, the person that you're playing. But at the same time, you know, it's it's kind of taking away from the game in, in the sense of, you know, this person gets these stats and that's why they have to play the game a certain way, right? Now the game is kind of altered to a point where it's like, okay, you know, if I want to be a wizard, yeah, I have good intelligence, good dexterity, but I usually suck when it comes to strength. But now I can add strength in and kind of OP my character in a way, right? So I think it's interesting in a way where the DM really has to get creative about it um, and kind of make the game harder um, before because before it was like, you know, you had certain characteristics and and rules for each character so you could build a campaign, you know, um, that would be relatively simple. But I think now, you know, the DMs really have to get creative with it, um, following not only the rule books, but, you know, using their own creativity to make the game harder.
0: Just going to give you the space now. Is there any closing thoughts you want to go over, anyone you'd like to shout out or anything you want to mention?
3: Uh, no, thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate it. This was fun. Um, you know, now I want to play Tasha's calling of Everything. But, uh Go to (laughs) GeekWave, I guess. And yeah, just, I guess, follow me on Instagram.
0: Awesome, yeah. And just one more time, that Instagram handle is at BigPrubs, B-I-G-P-R-U-B-S. Awesome handle, by the way. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, Thank you for your time. Thank you for being here.
3: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Have a good day. Hi
0: there. Uh, Today we're having our discussion with D&D. We're going to go over some very interesting Topics. Yeah. Before we do that, we're gonna introduce ourselves. Name, major, whether we play D and D and pronouns. He, him, his, no. I study political science. My name is Jorge Jimenez.
3: You forgot the name. <laughs> <laughs> I started on my
0: name. Okay, yeah. name. That was crazy. Anyways, <laughs> moving forward. Uh, Maya, go.
2: Okay, um, my name is Maya. I use they them pronouns. I am studying history teaching and political science. Um, and yes, I do play D&D. I don't play it as much as I DM, um, but that's where I am.
4: Hi, I'm Jennifer Rogers or JJ Rogers. I am a fourth-year English major. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I play D&D and I'm a player. Really fun.
5: Hi, name's Ben. I'm a third-year poli-sci major. I use he, him pronouns. I'm also majoring in um, Beats and Conflict Studies. And what was the question? Do you play D&D? Oh, no, I've never played D&D before. Missing out. (laughs) Oh, great.
0: Yeah, make me feel bad about it, Maya. Nice. I went to
5: AlphaCon Maya, so... Oh, (laughs) No. I'm not missing anything.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Hi, everyone. My name is Riley Atkinson. I am a third-year Peace and Conflict Studies and Sociology student, and I use she, her pronouns. I have played D&D, but I am not good at it by any means. Well, okay, so Riley used to be in my campaign. She just doesn't like playing by the rules. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Rule
5: breaker. Uh, Yep. I'm a swashbuckler. I'm I rule breaker I very
2: much <laughs> like my rules and I very much like the role playing aspect of it. I think it's fun. So it wasn't a good match, but mm-hmm. that's how it goes. Still sometimes. love you, Maya. I still <laughs> love <were> you. Roommates. <laughs> oh and they were roommates. <laughs> Beautiful. We are roommates.
0: <laughs> One of the greatest uh, basketball coaches of all time is Steven Jackson. He coached the Lakers when they had their three-peat. Um, and he had the players Kobe and Shaq on his team. And one of the best things he ever did was realizing sometimes he shouldn't call the shots and should just let these two indebtedly good players oh just do what they want to do. Okay, so but- I'm going to step into the role <laughs> of him today because I don't know as much on D&D uh-huh. as JJ and Maya. So I'm just going to let them take the floor.
2: Um. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I I did some research on this beforehand. I guess we'll start out with this. Um, And uh, there, I mean, D&D podcasts have become like so insanely popular lately. Mm -hmm. I want to create one of my own. We have a member of U Student Media creating one of his own, Um, Stuart, who was a guest speaker. Um, It it just like it's exploded. Mm -hmm. Um, And there is a, what is that? Like a rivet? Like a chasm, I guess, mm-hmm. between, like, gender stereotyping in D&D, and I think we we see that a lot with, like, especially in the podcast, because you have podcasts like The Adventure Zone, Dungeons and Daddies, uh, Fantasy High, <laughs> Critical Role, uh, the, they all have a massive amount of men mm-hmm. playing it and playing characters, so... Yeah, I just guess I wanted to start out with that. And does anyone have any thoughts?
4: (laughs) I mean, as the only female player of my group, it's uh, it's, sometimes it's a little intimidating. Like the first time that I actually joined them, I was pretty much the only girl. And I was playing a male character first. And it was fun, but it was hard because I had to really figure out the mood of the guys. And a, a lot of them are just like straight cut, like, we are only doing strategy, no RP, no role play, nothing. And I, was like, this, I was like, this is not what I thought d d was. But now that I changed characters, I'm now a female character. And we've been playing for like two years now. I've become a little more comfortable with the environment. But I can see why not a lot of women do join D&D. It's a little bit like, if you don't know what you're doing, not a lot of people are going to help you. Yeah. Only the people who are like DMing, who like you, or who are like friends with you will possibly be like, oh, let's handhold you, get you started. Honestly,
2: yeah, it's kind of like weirdly gate-kept.
4: Yes, oh my <laughs> God. Can I just say uh, how much is Oof.
2: like trying to get into it was really difficult. Mm-hmm. And no one wanted to like teach me the rules, and I'm really bad at reading mm-hmm. like like full text. And so reading the player's manual and like the the dungeon master's manual i was like i don't know eh. so i just listened to podcasts right like the adventure zone balance was my introduction to dungeons and dragons um, yeah. yeah and so i think it's like uh, it's a good way to get into the game mm-hmm. but it's still weirdly like people are like no you can't get into it unless you've been playing it for your entire life yeah like why <laughs> unless you have the
4: books unless you have the dice like it's mm-hmm. very much like they, in some cases, it does feel like if you aren't fully 100% committed, you shouldn't do it.
2: Yeah. Do you feel like satanic panic has caused that gatekeeping a little bit? I honestly, I mean, I don't know because I think I so I work with kids, um, and I. DM a Dungeons and Dragons campaign for these kids that I work with on some Fridays um, and I was telling my grandma about it and she was like oh you're teaching kids how to play Dungeons and Dragons like the devil's game and I'm like yes. what? Yes. No I'm thing. like it's Don't just like... A good <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Dungeons and Dragons is creative problem solving and yeah. working together as a team and like story building yeah. it's not satanic like, in any way, shape, or form, unless your DM wants it to be. And I mean, uh, then that can happen.
5: I have My DM. <laughs> oh my God. I have a story. My father, Dave, when he was 14, he used to go to the library after school. And then in the summers, he'd hang out there and play Dungeons and Dragons. And then he wanted to get super into it, but his parents wouldn't let him because they thought it was satanic. Yeah. And Oof. maybe that's the way he is how he is and the way I am how I am because of satanic panic mm-hmm. and that's a lot of generational trauma that we're going to have to work through. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I
2: mean, my dad played first like edition, um, uh, in his teens. Um, and he has talked to me before about like he, he played and then he kind of stopped because it was like looked down upon, but he was also a kid who like, he went to rock and roll concerts mm, and yeah. he was, he lived in rural Idaho. And so it was like, I, he wasn't a very go with the flow kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's kind of interesting because like he's the one who originally like got me into Dungeons and Dragons mm-hmm. like his geek culture became my geek culture mm-hmm. right and so I can understand that Ben, even if it's not as like dramatic as you were making I it know, out to no, be <laughs>
5: no, no, I'm just uh, we're just playing around
2: here. yeah
0: <laughs>
3: Maya with
0: your gender identity how do you feel about the community of D&D
2: Um, I feel it is relatively exclusive, um, Mm -hmm. but that just could be because, I mean, what we're seeing is just a lot of male identified people playing the game. Um, Fantasy High, I haven't listened to all of it, but they do have a player who identifies as non-binary who plays, I believe, um, a character who identifies as female. Um, and so that's like the first part where I've really felt like like seen, mm-hmm. you know, as as a, a player of Dungeons and Dragons, <clears throat> which sounds dumb. But I mean, you know, you take your battles where you can you take your victories where you can get them. Yeah. And so being a DM now is really interesting because I can create my own characters with their own gender identities and their own sexual orientation. Um, and they can act in a way that is authentic to both myself and to the world. Um, and... So, I mean, I really like DMing because I can create a world that is inclusive to people such as myself.
4: There is one thing that I've noticed with being a player and being someone who was like entirely new. I didn't know anything. All these guys in my group, they were very like, oh, you need to have this stat, this race to play this person because it will make it breakable. Like You can break the game. And I'm like, but what if I want to be this character with non-specific?" Like, race, what if I wanted to just play something different? Like, I wanted to play a Goblin, who was rogue, and it was just impossible. Like, it feels like sometimes in D&D, especially since in my campaign, they're very structured, they have to be like this, we have to fight really strong characters, mm-hmm. you have to be unbreakable. Yeah. And it was hard to build a character and have a race that I wanted to be. I had to be specifically this and... I mean, I play a female character and even then I still feel at times that like they don't value me as a woman character and a woman player because I'm not as in-depth in everything. But mm. now I know how my character works, like they need me. But at the very beginning, I was very much like... Mm-hmm. I could see in person that I was being frowned upon and it took a while to be like okay see me as a player who wants to play and who is, enjoys the game not as just a woman who joined your group. Yeah, for sure. It took a while. We love breaking gender. Norms. Oh my god, <laughs> tell me about it. It was it's fun. It's fun.
2: Well, and I mean, I think 5e has introduced so many races, like different races. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of DMs who are like, no, only the original races. And I'm like, but why? There's like, like I have a player who plays a changeling or a fire genasi or an owl folk. And like, that's rad. Like if you want to play a character who's an owl humanoid, then go for it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) We have a kobold on our team and he's our favorite. We love him more than anything. It's a fantasy game. It is, yeah. Literally.
2: Yeah. Well, and I mean, I appreciate what Stuart was saying, Mm -hmm. um, getting into more of the, like, race aspect, Mm -hmm. um, in that he... He said, I mean, maybe there was some biases with the creators of this game when they were creating, like, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. But also, like, the DMs can take it how they will, right? Like, it's a creative game made by creative people for their own purpose. Um, And so if you have a bad DM who's a bad person, then, like, yeah, maybe you'll get some racial stereotyping. But Mm -hmm. if you have a DM who actually cares about people, then it'll be less so. Get cauldron Tasha's Cauldron of Everything that yeah. introduces like new stats and things yeah. that, of course, could be seen as uh, perhaps racial biases, yeah. but, I mean, the DM will take it how it will. And I like to homebrew a lot of my characters. Mm-hmm. I homebrew the world, and so like I'm not a DM who particularly cares, but there are some out there who might.
5: Which yeah, true. Just don't be racist. <laughs> it's not
2: that hard. I think that's a a common theme yeah. in our podcast.
0: <laughs> no,
4: don't be racist. No, don't be racist, please.
0: I know. Is that our, our closing thought? Just <laughs> don't be
4: racist. Wait, let JJ. Yeah, say sorry, that. JJ. Oh, no, no, no. I was just gonna say for like my DM, he's very much homebrews. Every character makes him insanely impossible to fight, mm. but that's because our characters are like the ones who who are advanced who know. Who know how to play the game who have all the cards and everything they make these impossible characters mm-hmm. and so it's like I don't know like seeing Tasha and having that flexibility it, of course there's going to be people who hate it there's going to be people who are like that's not fair but if it's for the creative side I think it's beautiful to have like that ability to be like hey I want to play this character but also I feel like in my character they would have this kind of stat mm-hmm. and It does sound strange, but that's how my character is. It's very much like, I'm heavy on this certain thing, plus this. Yeah. I am part of Tasha's Cauldron. I had to change my character to fit... This world and myself and how I wanted them to be.
2: Well, and I mean, like, uh, your your character's personality will go into that, too. Like, if you're a character who, like, grew up on the streets alone, like, fighting for your own thing, then, like, you might have a high wisdom, right? Even though your character doesn't exactly call for it. Yeah. And that's just how it goes.
4: That's, it's honestly, it adapts constantly. I've never seen in a DD where game where it's like everything's stagnant. I've seen so many characters change mm-hmm. constantly. Mm-hmm. And that's just how I think Tasha's is and how yeah. the game is is constantly changing. Yeah. And that, yes, rules back then are a little more like a little more structured, but that doesn't mean that we can't have this flexibility to allow more inclusivity to everyone.
2: Yeah. I think that's a good place to end it. Excellent. Inclusivity. Awesome. Stop gatekeeping Dungeons and Dragons. Stop gatekeeping. And don't be racist. Let everyone <laughs> join. <laughs> Let
4: everyone join. Yeah. Equality. Yeah.
2: Dungeons and Dragons is a group game for fun. And I think and people protected. need to remember that, that it's Race for fun. It's not
4: fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be smart, be safe, be fun. Don't be racist. Rad. Yes.
0: Woohoo. And that's been a long story made short. Thank you for listening. Long Story Short is an affiliate of our stories and University of Utah Student Media. And please make sure to list our social medias, Our Stories, O-U-R dot S-T-O-R one E-S on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and soon to be TikTok. And you'll also find our handles on the description of the podcast below. Thank you. Special thanks to Connor Nygaard and Parker Service for audio editing, Maya Harris and Riley Atkinson for the intro and cover graphics, and the University of Utah.